It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. One, two, three. That is now on ESPN Radio. I was actually shocked after I realized that John Popper's still alive. I was actually shocked that um, this show didn't sell out in just a quick minute. I think people are finally figuring it out, though, because I looked today. I got some tickets uh, about 10 days ago, and I looked today, and most of the tickets had been sold. So good job, Missoula. We're always packing the house out there at the Kettle House. Blues Traveler and Big Head Todd and the Monsters coming up tonight. Can't wait for it. Uh, If I see you out and about, come say hi. And it should be a fun one. Always great to go out there and uh, hang out along the Blackfoot River during the heart of summer here uh, in the Garden City. It's is now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. You missed anything in the first hour of the show. We heard from the Montana Gatorade Player of the Year in track and field, Elisa Keller. She's a javelin thrower from Billings West. What a story. Didn't even start throwing javelin two, two years ago. The greatest double-A javelin thrower ever <laughs> in just two seasons of high school track. Headed to BYU on a track scholarship, so very impressive for her uh, her, her Eastern double-A championship throw. The 11th best in the United States of America this year. So very, very uh, competitive uh, already, and she has a, a, a huge ceiling. So we heard from her as part of our senior spotlight. We also talked to Missoula Paddleheads baseball. They are once again the champions of the first half and uh, they are knocking on the door of the greatest record in the history of the first half uh, in the Pioneer League. And we also give you a bulletin board on some news briefs, whether it's J.B. Pickens coming back for a fifth year at Carroll College, Brock Bladder, the Billing Central product who's transferred from Alabama to USC, or Sage Brooks, an outstanding distance runner uh, from Syracuse who's on her way now to Oregon State. Excuse me, she's from Missoula Hellgate, started her career at Syracuse, now she's on the way to Oregon State. So we uh, give you an update on all that as well. Find all of it. All in one is now podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store where the dog is all the time, and the uh, MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org to get your blue and gold. Uh, in studio with us, this is a fun one. I talk to this guy a lot, but we, we always get talking. I'm like, man, we got to just come put this on the radio. Jim O'Day uh, in studio with us, longtime athletic director at the University of Montana, and uh, a guy that's kept pretty good tabs on the state of affairs uh, in college athletics uh, since moving on from that position. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Good, always good to see you there, Coulter. Uh, also, we got Tucker in the studio as well. <laughs> uh, Jim's on his way to the lake and uh, kind enough to spend some time with us here today before he heads on up to Flathead. And, uh, Tucker the dog, he's somewhere. He's under here. but He's, he's, he's wrong. And he's having fun. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna be a good boy for sure. Um, w- just give people the update. W- what are you up to these days? You know, kind of the same thing. I said, uh, actually, it's about time to start slowing down. I'm almost 66 years old. Well, so. and, and your wife has been living the retired life lately. So yeah, uh, she's had five probably, months of retirement. You're so. probably a little jealous. She's, she doesn't have to come and go to the lake. She just stays at the lake. Well, and I think she's starting <laughs> to find out I don't do very much anyway. <laughs> so it really works out quite well. But no, she's had a great time up at the lake. She's enjoying retirement. And, um, you know, I, I do only as much as I really care to anymore. I'm pretty selective on the projects that I'm going to get involved with and, and do some interviews. Introductions to different people to help them raise some capital for projects. So I enjoy that. 
I said, if it gets to that point where it's way too stressful, then I'm done. <laughs> then I'm done. It's time <laughs> to good. enjoy life. Well, you certainly put in your time. So uh, when that time comes, we certainly will... Uh, well, wish you congratulations. Well, but you know, these days in journalism, my God, I had 20 years in that before for athletics. Sure, so. right? No doubt, right? <laughs> well, the, the, the state of journalism and the state of college athletics have sort of been parallel because they've been in so much flux. Uh, have you followed all this stuff with the New York Times and the Athletic? You know, I followed a little bit of it. Uh, not a ton of it, but uh, actually one of my old... Uh, reporters that I had at my Western Breeze newspaper in Cutbank. We met today, earlier today, Jake Ellison. He worked wow. for the Missoulian and yeah, stuff, yeah. and he worked for the, the Seattle Times, and, and he's been doing some correspondence work for the New York Times, so we were talking a little bit about it earlier today. So it's an interesting time in both of those uh, <laughs> ventures. I mean, it's amazing. You owned a newspaper once upon a time. It's just crazy to me what what this the evolution of newspapers and and I mean to be quite frank just the demise of newspapers. You know when I got out, really the internet was not that big a thing. I right. I, I sold my newspaper in 1998 and it was just kind of the beginning of the internet and that has changed things totally. It's it's a whole different profession. It's you know so much social media. There's so many different avenues that people can get their news and everybody's in a hurry. It used to be that you went and you tried to find all the facts and talk to everybody on each side of the story and stuff and. A lot of times they don't have time for that anymore because if they wait around too long, somebody else has got it. It's so crazy how fast it moves, too. I mean, the, the fall of 2008, when I was a senior at the University of Montana Journalism School, I, mo I, I, I wrote my senior thesis on the impact of the Internet on sports journalism. And I interviewed guys like Woody Page and Jay Mariotti and Jay Adonde and Michael Wilbon and all these guys that have worked in newspapers mm -hmm. forever. The consensus was, oh, the Internet's going to be a pretty interesting tool, but news will never die and newspapers will never die. That was only 14 years ago, folks. It's crazy how much it's moved. When I first started doing it, I remember coming to your office and doing a story on you or in yep. the AD. All I needed to bring was my pen and paper and some questions that I had prepared. Now I'm hauling around a bag of cords. I need a recorder and a camera and a video mm -hmm. camera. I don't know. Sometimes it makes me feel like it's just way too much. It seems like the, 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 the essence of journalism was a lot better when people had a lot more time to put into it, right? It really was. It was you know, again, it was a different time. I could tell when I left my newspaper that things were going to change. And, and the small newspapers are a little different because I think they are the savior of history of those communities where Whereas, you know, you run into a place like the Missoulian and the Chronicle and all of these other papers, the Gazette, uh, anymore, that's not the case because people are still expecting the international, the national news, the right, local news, right. and they have to cover such a large area, especially in a place like Montana. It's almost impossible, and you can see the results of it and then the, the cost to it and why they're having to make so many drastic changes. But it is what it is. We have to adjust and move on from it, and that's just the way it's going to be. The, the archiving of history is a, such an important part. I've done a lot of retrospective stories, whether it's like the 95 Grizz or the you know, 76 Cats or teams that have won the national championship. I get great enjoyment of going and looking through the microfilms of the newspaper and, and just seeing some of the old stories. And it makes me sad thinking that that might not exist 50 years from now if somebody's trying to do the same thing that I was doing. Anyways, we digress. We're here to talk about actually college sports, not the, not the demise of newspapers, although some would say uh, college sports and uh, college football in general, certainly in a state of flux, some would say in a demise. But I think that those that realize, oh, the money that's at hand, uh, the sport's never been more popular. There's never been more at stake. But just generally, somebody that worked in athletic administration for so long, what do you think of just the state of affairs in college sports right now? 
You know, we, we, we talk about how journalism went. Uh, I see that in intercollegiate athletics as well. It's, it is such a tough time, and I, I truly feel for student-athletes. I feel for coaches. I feel for administrators. I feel for staff. You know, having worked in it, it I, I've been out of it all, 12 years. I said, right. in, in that time, it has changed so much. I, I was down in Arizona earlier this year, and uh, Scott Barnes, who used to be the athletic director in Eastern Washington, he's the athletic director at Oregon State, he was there, and we were talking, and he said, you know, Jim, remember the days when we could uh, sit around at a bar and have a beer and see who could make it to 65 or beyond? And he says, you're lucky you're out. He says, I'm, you know, 60, and... Uh, the things that have come at me, he says, I don't know if I make it very lo- much longer. Well, you know, two months later, he has a massive heart attack. Oh, and Scott looked terrible at the time. And then I, I was with Mark Carlin, who's the athletic director at Utah. And he used to be at Arizona, so I knew him down there. And and uh, we were talking, and he says, you know, here's how hard it is today. He says, I've got a, a booster down in, in Salt Lake City, and he's willing to give me a million dollars. But he says, should I give you the million dollars, or should I give it to this collective for right. the NIL? right. And as an athletic director, you need both. And he says, there's not that many people going to give me a million dollars in Salt Lake City. So where do you go? And I think that's just the beginning of the real break in the haves and the have-nots. And I think we, we're going to have to be like journalism. We're going to have to adjust. We're going to have to find one and, and maybe not put the expectations where they were or understand where we're at in our certain levels. What do you think is the most pressing issue right now? Because you have all these different things, whether it's extended eligibility, the one-time transfer rule, the NIL stuff, you know, all these different things. Plus, institution-wise, everybody's trying to figure out, okay, how do we get into a conference to make TV money? We're going to talk about that in depth a little bit more. But what's the most pressing issue? Like, if you were still in athletic administration, what would you address first? Boy, I'll tell you what. It, it That's what makes it so stressful, right? It, you don't it, know it where is. to start. You don't, I mean, every day is going to be a new thing. I mean, I always felt that that uh, you were a troubleshooter in athletics, especially as an athletic director. You know, it's more of a troubleshooter than a director spot because every day it's going to change. Every day you've got one more thing coming at you. Are you going to have to hire new coaches? Uh, are your student athletes, is there an issue in certain areas? Are you a short-staffed? Uh, do we have to, what are we doing with Title IX? All of the different things that are coming at you, now you have NIL. It's kind of out of your hands. You've got the transfer portal. It's, they call it a one-time transfer you can do. Truly, if a person wanted to transfer two or three times and take it to court, you That's know right. who would win. That's right. That's I mean, right. The Supreme Court basically said that already. So it's, it's no different, which I, I could see coming a little bit years ago. Um, everyone used to say, oh, you're just for cost of attendance because... You believe Montana has all this extra money. I said, Montana doesn't have that extra money. But I said, (laughs) you can't keep looking at these kids who you're asking to work basically 12 months out of the year and say, oh, yeah, they get a college scholarship. That's great. Well, for a Montana kid, that might be $15,000. And I don't know many people that can live on $15,000 a year if that were your job. That's right. And it is their job. Um, they, They are there and, you know, they've got allegedly 20 hours of practice time a week and all these different things. But... There, there's no way you can do that. And the same thing, we can't tell a college student that he or she can't transfer from one school to the next or 10 schools. And so if you look at it compared to what federal laws allow, right? Uh, you can't be something different. And sometimes you try and be too much of that, and you can't be, you still have laws. Jim O'Day in studio with us, former University of Montana Athletic Director, guy who worked uh, in higher education and college athletics for uh, quite some time. 
Guys, say thanks to our friends down at the Silver Slipper. Silver Slipper has 55 TVs for you to watch all the sports, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball. Silver Slipper will have it on for you. Also got a sports bet Montana machine there. Card games nightly. Drink specials every day. 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be. Stop by and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. The... Uh, what you said about sort of the conundrum in terms of raising money is one that's really interesting to me because, and I think it really affects the the smaller levels of Division One athletics more than the the higher levels. At, at Texas, you can find guys that are going to donate to the stadium and the practice facility and the NIL collective all at once. They'll write you one check for $10 million or whatever it might be. There's just not that level of high bo- boosters like that, especially at the, in the big sky in the, in the FCS in Montana. So, that, that's something that both Montana and Montana State are really going through right now. The Cats have this NIL collective. They've done a good job raising money for it. They also had some donations already in the coffers to build their, their big new facility, the Bobcat Athletic Complex. Well, now the Grizzlies, they needed, uh, per the, the demands of Bobby Houck, to get that indoor role and get the indoor bubble going. But you're kind of stealing from Peter to pay Paul, right? I mean, how do you get guys to donate here and not there? It's just it's such a confusing deal. Well, and you have to find a way to be innovative with your money. Right. Um, we were lucky there for a while that interest rates and stuff were so low, and so bond payments and stuff could be you know, refinanced and things like that. So it allowed you to have some more money around for the university to do some projects. But now those have gone up. Uh, we also don't know what the status of, you know, what's our economy going to be like in the next two, three, four, five years. Right. Uh, one thing that, that, that I see that helps a little bit is they're giving them a little bit more time to be able to finance projects. Yeah. Which is, I remember when I was there, it was, you have to pay for that project in five years. And it's like saying, you have to pay for your house in five years. <laughs> right. And it's almost impossible when you also have to pay your utility bills and all these other little things. So you'd have to have really one big donor that would come in and almost pay for 75 to 80%. This, is, this helps a little bit. It, it provides that flexibility, but you still have debt. You still have debt that you have to, you have to worry about every year, and it just accumulates. The, 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 the transfer phenomenon from the rise of the portal to this extended eligibility that's given uh, athletes these unprecedented fifth and sixth years to then everything that goes in between with all the transfer stuff, um, not having to sit out anymore. There's so many different factors. But then there's also sort of the marketing factor too, right? We we just saw the Big Sky Conference in men's basketball lose everybody. Mm. The whole league is gone. Anand Moody from the Grizz is the best and most recognizable returning player. Pretty much all the rest of the all-league guys transferred somebody mm-hmm. else, somewhere else or graduated. It's not just from the each individual university perspective, but from a league perspective too. It makes it hard to market because the fans, they're used to seeing guys they're used to on their teams, but also – Oh hey, so and so from Northern Colorado. I don't like him. I'm going to go root against him for the, you know, when, when they're in Missoula or whatever. It just seems like that's also very muddy. I think that's got to be hard. I, I I don't know how you do it. And it, it, if you are at a mid level major, so many of these kids still see the big bright lights. They see I, if I can play in the Pac-12, I can maybe get a look at by the by the NBA or, right. or this European league or whatever. Um, and, you know, we're not the only ones. Even the Gonzagas and stuff, you know, they're losing people early and, and some of these guys. But yeah, it's got to be so hard to market. You know, I was talking to even like Wayne Tinkle when Oregon, Oregon State was playing Arizona State down there. And, you know, and he just looked shot. He looked tired. Wayne For looked sure. really tired. 
<clears throat> and and I could understand that. He says, you know, my best players are freshmen. He says, but I got to go recruit them again as soon as this season's over, so that they don't leave. He says, I'm re- I'm recruiting on so many different levels, and I think I see they are allowing now more uh, coaches in basketball. That's right. Well, you still only have 13 men's basketball scholarships, and I think you can have five coaches now. So you almost get one. To- but there's got to be somebody watching the transfer portal, making sure kids are happy, their parents are happy. Uh, it may it's so easy now to leave if something doesn't go right or if it really goes right they'll live again too it's also hard for me to sort of palette that like you said there's there's this sort of defined hierarchy between the haves and the have nots now the other part though is that this is sort of just almost shoved it down everybody's throats that this is so much about and almost exclusively about money and I know when you were doing it the money's a reality certainly. Mm-hmm. But it's not the ultimate priority. you got to figure out how to make the budget work. There's no doubt about it. But it wasn't just the only thing. And I think that's where the Montana schools, the Big Sky Conference in general, are really struggling because most of the kids that are coming here, they're doing it for the love of the game. They're doing it to to have an extended college career. But then to, to put that high priority on money and chase that almighty dollar just seems like it, it, it muddles the message of what small school uh, D1 athletics supposed to be about. Well, you know, and that, you know, uh, one of the things you look at, I mean, what is going to happen? You wish you had a crystal ball, you could tell what was going to happen. You know, you, you look at the FCS, Division One AA level of football. Because we have that and because we're there, we're able to keep more kids here. Yeah. So many kids uh, that, especially that grew up in Montana, this is their NFL. For sure. This is what they have looked at for the all, and, and they're going to stay because their parents can be there, their friends can be there. If you're in another state, it's a little bit different. Or if you're at a bigger school, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different because your priorities are probably different than what we're talking right now. But as long as we're at that level, I don't think you're going to see a lot of transfers. You know, you look at a kid like last year, uh, Troy Anderson at Montana State. He sure. definitely could have played at the next level. Oh, no doubt. And there's a few others that are like that. And, we, and the Big Sky has lost a few, but not very many. Uh, I always said if if I were a, someone like at a Boise State or something, I'd be looking at the offensive linemen at all these schools. Because you can get a 17, 18-year-old kid who may be 6'5 and, and 210 versus a, I can go to a school and get two, a guy for you know, 6'5, 285 yep. that's been in school, understands all the nuances about it, new academics and everything, and is ready to play. And that's where I thought. But I, uh, there's been a few. Montana State, I think, lost a couple last year. They have, yeah. Isaiah Fonse went to Cal. TJ Session a couple years yep. ago, big offensive lineman, just like you're talking about. He was Sac already. State, he they was lost. The, yep. I mean, you're, you're, yep. you're losing a few, but not like you're going to lose possibly in men's basketball. Yeah. The days of uh, a Larry Kristoviak sticking around here forever, or, you know, things like that. Uh, I think that's going to be harder. Uh, Tremaine Johnson type, you would probably lose For because sure. they would see bigger lights. But I think most of the kids that you're going to see still, especially right now, I think they'll stay. Jim O'Day in studio with us, former Montana Athletic Director, talking all things college sports and a little college football talk coming up uh, here in just a minute. It, what do you think of just the state of the Big Sky Conference? Because when they first expanded, that, that was right when you were about to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it was this this gamble, to be honest, to, to add these four teams, including these two affiliates. Now we've since seen... Several of those teams, Southern Utah, North Dakota, move on. Several stay as just affiliated members, Cal Poly and UC Davis. That's a whole different sort of, uh, I'm not going to say controversy, but but it's a thorn in some of the uh, uh, teams in the league's side. And then you have the return of Idaho as well. 
uh, I don't know. I don't know how much that gamble paid off when they first expanded and absorbed all those great West teams. Well, again, again, I'm sure Doug Fullerton wished he had a crystal ball for sure that Montana, Montana State, that we weren't going to the WAC. Right. Actually, our studies that we did said you should. You're more like WAC team, more like Division One yep. FBS teams, which you can say yes or no. Um, but the studies absolutely showed that, and it was pretty obvious. But we were in a good position. We didn't right. have to make that call. We felt comfortable. Uh, we were still at the top of the game, top of the level, and, our, and we felt very good about it. But we also knew if we had to make an adjustment, we could make it on the fly. Uh, people remember in 2006, uh, we were invited quietly uh, to the, the, big, uh, the Mountain West mm-hmm. when it was doing its respand. And, and Montana State didn't want to go, so we didn't go. Now, is that going to be the same thing? If I, I don't know. But you look at different things. Again, we're looking at schools that are like schools. Right. I always remember George Dennison. He constantly fought again. He did not want Southern Utah in our league. I remember that. Absolutely adamant about it. And as soon as George left, we got Southern Utah. For sure. And, and they went with North Dakota. But it really didn't give you the travel partners that you were right. hoping to have. Because our, our the Big Sky Conference is spread so far with so many, the, the people in Sacramento really had nothing in common with the people in North Dakota. Right. And so the people in North Dakota weren't going to fly to Sac State to watch games That's or whatever, right. and vice versa. I mean, Grand Forks to Portland, it's not really happening. Not it, that many people it are just traveling. Not, it's not in their deal. So it makes that very hard. Whereas you look at a Mountain West, and if a Mountain West expands and whatever happens there, they look at different things. And one of the big things they look at is that television revenue and eyes. And we get... We get a lot of people who get saying, oh, God, Montana, Montana State would be the first ones to go. In the studies that I have seen, the first ones to go out of our league would probably be Sac State and NAU. And people find that hard to believe. But you have millions of eyes versus 25,000 people in a stadium. How do you fund a college athletic department? How impactful is the population numbers when it comes to the media rights? We'll discuss all that next. Jim O'Day in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center is not your average jewelry store. The friendly, welcoming staff is so excited to be in Montana, and the craftsmanship, unique creativity, care, and artisanship you'll receive at the Jewelry Design Center is second to none. Is there anything you guys can't do? We don't cut diamonds, <laughs> okay, yeah. but we can facilitate that. <laughs> right. It's unique that we cast our own metal, we grow our own models, we hand carve, as well as use computer-aided technology to design. We're pushing the limits of what we had previously thought was impossible. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. That's all we're playing on the show today as we're coming back from the breaks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you're having a great uh, week. Hope you're having a great summer. It's new on is now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas, joined here at the ESPN MT studio by Jim O'Day, a uh, longtime athletic administrator, the AD at the University of Montana. And uh, again, uh, really fun talking about the state of college athletics. Uh, we were just talking about um, some some of the, the feasibility studies that have uh, gone on in recent years. Everybody's trying to get an evaluation. This is nothing new. 
Boise State and Idaho and Nevada did this 30 years ago. Montana did this several times uh, during the early 2000s. Uh, but lately, everybody's kind of trying to figure out, okay, the dominoes are going to fall. Where are they going to fall, and how are we positioning ourselves? We saw San Diego State get hot to trot this last couple months. They said, hey, we're leaving the Mountain West. Then they said, hey, we're coming back. That's been a whole mess. But there's so many different factors that go into sort of having feasibility to move up. You mentioned once upon a time Montana was considering moving up to the WAC. I guess, first of all, what would you what do you think would have happened if, they would have, if Montana would have moved up, but then the WAC sort of went away. What do you think would have, would have happened to gr- the Grizz if that w- scenario would have played out? You know, if, if Montana Montana State had gone to the WAC, uh, I don't think that the WAC, w- I think it would be fine. I think the Big Sky would be struggling. Yeah. Because Montana Montana State control the television. And they would have buoyed the WAC quite and, a bit. And others would have come with them. Yeah. And you probably would have got the Idaho and some of those right. schools like that. And, and if the WAC's sort of falling apart, then maybe North Dakota State comes in, correct. right? Yeah. It would it would have, it would have changed things dramatically, but it's hard to tell. You know, looking back's hard to tell. I mean, for sure. And, and it's not that long ago, but so much has changed in that amount of time. Uh, in college athletics. Good question here from one of our listeners. Uh, and you obviously have been following along because we've been talking about this a lot. He said, I've heard you say that the Grizz and the Bobcats have the least amount of state funding for their programs in the Big Sky. That's true. The least amount of state subsidies. I think the Grizz are right around 35 40%. The Cats are less than 50%. Everybody else in the league gets at least 50% state subsidies. So what does that mean? That means that at least half of your budget is coming from state money. As Jim and I were just talking about off-air, there's a lot of different ways to determine if money is classified as state money or institutional money or private money. But either way, uh, that's right. Uh, your, your, your statement is correct, listener. Uh, but the question is, how could the, uh, the Montana schools get more state money considering how successful they've been? Great attendance at both football programs that bring a lot of money to local economies. What is that battle? You know, you kind of have to look at a football program and, a, and an athletic program as a mall. You're all hmm. under one big roof at the university. And so every area needs help. But you're all individual. So you got to right. work out. Um, in the days, I know we were very, very successful and we were paying 75% of our dollar, 25% from the institution. Right. Amazing at our level. Uh, even where we were putting money that we had into some buildings on campus that were academic buildings that you have never seen at this level. Um, but th- they needed it on campus. The campus needed it. Uh, we can see a lot of things around campus that are going on that need repair and stuff like that. And with student enrollment being down, you still have to keep ahead of the game. On We're there for students. we got to remember that. Um, we're just a piece of it. The state is not going to get involved. The state is going to give you an X amount of money, and then we'll give that to the border regents, and the border regents will determine how the funding is going to go. And the funding has changed back and forth and back and forth. At times, they split it between the two institutions, i.e., if you're talking Montana, you're talking Montana Western, you're talking Montana Tech, sure. you're, you're talking those schools, and same way with Montana State, with, with MSU Billings and all of those, have her in the bunch. Then that school has to decide how much of that money that they get from the state do they want to put into athletics. Mm -hmm. The goal should be to provide as little as they can because they are there for academic purposes. Uh, Even though we're all big fans, we'd love to see a lot more of it. But if you took the majority of people, I mean, do you want to see your tax dollar go to the Bobcats? 
And if you're a Grizzly fan, and vice versa. Sure, right. So you have to play. There's a pot of money, and you got to figure out what to do with it. We were fortunate in those years, and we have been still fortunate in the, these years here, where we have been able to have higher ticket prices and have a, a support at supply and demand. Montana State's seeing it now too. Uh, but if you're at if you're at Idaho State or somewhere like that, you could never do it with the amount of money you bring in on tickets. And so you have to, to be able to be competitive and be able to have these teams that are required and the number of teams that you have to have and the number of programs you have to have to be a Division One sport. And to keep up with Title IX, because the Title IX, people get caught into that and they think Title IX is NCAA. No, Title IX is federal mandates. Right, exactly. You lose your, your state your, or your federal funding on, on research grants and, and monies that you would get from the federal government, which are millions and millions and millions of dollars if you're not in compliance with Title IX. And athletics just is an easy place to look at it where, there's, where there are issues. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. Jim O'Day joining us uh, in studio. I think one thing that's really confusing and hard for people to wrap their minds around, they watch the Big Sky. They watch the Montana schools. You go to a Grizz game, it's big time. 26,000 people there. You go to a Bobcat game, they're over 100% capacity. They have standing room only for two years in a row, more than they even have seats in the stadium. Mm -hmm. It's big time. And then you watch the Montana schools go to some of the other places in the conference, and there's nobody there. Yet that's not the most overwhelming factor when it comes to potentially moving up, right? You said Sac State NAU are probably the ones that are more well-fit to move up. People are saying, well, how can that be? I mean, NAU averaged like 4,000 fans a game last year. Montana averaged 26,000. Where's the inequity come from? Well, there, I mean, there's a number of things. And one one would be the number of students at your institution. For sure. Let's take James I mean, Madison. 20, I mean, there's James Madison doesn't get any state dollar. Right. But each student has their student athletic fee of $2,100. They have 25,000 students. There's $50 million. Right. They don't need to sell a ticket. <laughs> That's right. So they're in, in, in great shape. So if you have a small student body... Uh, you have to be very good about, you know, you take a Notre Dame and stuff. They have it from television money and, right. and large donors and things like that. But if you're not in that situation, what, what, what you got to remember, if you're going to another conference that's splitting money, if you're a big sky school, you're basically getting $100,000 in, in revenue from television. Yeah. Basically 100, say maybe a little bit more here and there. If you're at Wyoming, you're getting 5 million. Right. And if you're at so Boise, you're, you're getting 9 times, million. I mean, you're, you're talking. 50 to 100 times as much money to be in the Mountain West. But if they split the pot more, right. then Wyoming doesn't get as much money and Boise doesn't get as much money and all the other schools don't get as much money. So you got the, it's got to be a return on investment and the return on investment is a television dollar that's looking at numbers in your area that could... Sac State, for example, Don Reed always said this. He said, if they ever turn things around... Watch out. They have a great recruiting base. For sure. They've got all these kids in California and stuff. They have people who have a lot of money in that area. That's right. But they are still perceived as being a Division II school. If For sure. they were to get in the Mountain West and play in Fresno State and San Jose State and stuff like that, absolutely, their, enroll, their, their, their games would be a whole different area. And you may say this a little bit about NAU. they got 25,000 students. For sure. We forget that they've got 20. I mean... If you look, Montana still, of all the big sky schools, we're the smallest enrollment in the big sky. For sure. That is shocking. It is shocking. You know, because people would not think that. But these other schools, Weber and all these guys, have 20-some thousand students. Sac State's got 30-some thousand students. For sure. And if you can raise a student athletic fee from $150 a student 
to $300 a student a year and their student athletic fees, guess what? You get a lot of money when you have a lot of students. It's, uh, there's a lot of factors uh, that go into it. Uh, I, I do think that what you said, though, there about, especially specifically uh, Sac State and, and NAU, especially Sac State, there hasn't been that much local interest, although there's been better local interest the last couple of years. That's what happens when you actually start winning. But I do think that the average Californian, they don't think of Sac State as anything. But if you move up to the Mountain West, not only do you get to play other California schools in the Mountain West, you also get to play all the other California schools way more often. Like USC is probably not going to ever schedule Sac State. If they're in the Mountain West. They might. They might. Uh, so then, you know, now you're building your brand on the statewide level at well, an even higher level. If there is that chance, because you can when you're at the FBS level, Sac State might be able to bring in somebody like a Washington, where they go to Washington twice and bring them in once. Wyoming right. did that for sure a couple of years ago with uh, not Georgia, uh, it was somebody big for sure. One of the big. Well, all of a sudden now you're legit. Right, you're legit. You know you're going to probably get beat, but. You know, the other thing is, you know, they get around those schools, they can save a lot of money in travel when you're traveling to Fresno and you're traveling to San Jose and you're traveling to exactly. Los Angeles and San Diego. You, you, not everything's a, a flight and you fly in these other places. You know, that's one of the things I think that hurts North Dakota State. And, and North Dakota State and South Dakota State, their presidents are actively trying to get in the Mountain West. For they're sure. actively trying to get in. And so they're, they're a step up. They've been looking at it seriously, but... Again, do they fit with those other schools? And they may not. And this, that brings us all the way full circle because the, the the part, again, that's hard for me to palette is how much of a priority money has become in all of these different scenarios. But it seems as if the, the world of college football, it's so pressing out West because out West you only have the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the Big Sky in terms of legitimate Division I football playing conferences. The Pac-12 is certainly going to look different than it does at this exact moment soon. USC and UCLA are absolutely leaving, but then what happens with Oregon and Washington, and then where does everybody else go? Does Arizona State and Arizona try to go to the Big 12? What about Utah and Colorado? Where does Washington State and Oregon State fit into this whole thing? Where does Stanford fit in the whole thing? There's so many different dominoes to fall. If you're the Montana schools, you want to be able to position yourself in a, in a, a stable yet ready position, but as, as we keep mentioning... Where do you find the money to do it? Where do you find the money to be ready to go if that uh, invite ever comes? You know, the one thing you find out in university funding, you can kind of do whatever you want. You can't do everything you want. Right. So if you decide, like Boise decided, they had a president, they decided they were going to put all their emphasis on athletics. Yep. And they were going to get a good football program, and that was going to drive attendance, and that was going to drive enrollments, and that was going to, it worked. But it wasn't easy. It was hard sell. You know, that went from a school that was basically a junior college That's in the right. 60s. That's right. Uh, you know, to where they are today. But if you were to go uh, to some of these schools and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pump in another $20 million or more a year into our athletic program to start another. Because we'd like we both Montana and Montana State would have to add one more sport. Right. We'd have to do a women's sport because of Title, Title IX. We're sure. in that category. So you start to look at, okay, we, we're we going to take $20 million from the academic side. It ain't going to be popular, I'll tell you that right now. For Having sure. sat in meetings like that, you find out how popular that really is. And I don't think you're going to find many university presidents that want to fight that. Not in a rural state, because, you know, we get caught in because we're fans. And sure. we buy in and say, right. that's the most important thing. And as business people, we say that. Sure. 
but when you're on a campus, uh, it's a battle. It's a battle. This is exactly what happened at Eastern Washington several years ago. They did a sort of feasibility study, but then also at the same time, there was a report on all the different uh, university subsidies. And so it was just, you know, written in plain daylight that the, the athletic department was getting an 80-plus percent subsidy and, you know, so many millions of dollars. Well, the head of the faculty at Eastern Washington said, well, that's not going to work. We have a 16,000 student student body, and, and the football team's getting more than we are academically. And then all of a sudden, it, be, it became this controversy, and I think that Eastern Washington has suffered since. I mean, they've had two athletic directors since then, because I think that uh, both Bill Chaves and, and uh, um, Lynn Hickey both did, uh, they, they did a good job. But I think they also realized, like you're saying, it's such a stressful job to be in, so you don't really know where to turn. Uh, last thing for you then, and it's a big question, what do you think the Montana schools should do then? I mean, should they just stand pat and try to continue to have success at this level? Or how do you get ready for if and when the dominoes fall? I think you have to put yourself in the best financial shape you can be. Yes, Because right. if you can get yourself in the best financial shape, pay off as much debt as you can possibly take. I mean, don't your facilities are going to be every bit as good as anybody at the next level. Your attendance are going to be every bit as good as the next level. Your academics are as good or maybe superior. Uh, we're one of the top level For sure. institution, Montana, Montana State. So we fit all of those great criteria. That really, that really helps you. But you would, if they walked in and said, okay, how are you going to afford this? You better have a plan, yes. and that plan better better be approved, and not just oh yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna pump in twenty. Okay, that twenty million dollars is gonna come from whom? And have you discussed this with faculty senate? Have you discussed it with your regents? Have you discussed it with the governor and all? All of the you got to go all these steps. There's a lot of steps there, and in a rural state, uh, it becomes very personal. Because we all tend to know somebody. For sure. Most people will maybe know the governor or a senator or a representative or whatever that is a good friend or somebody you can call. If you're in California, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So you, everybody's got to listen, and it's a very tough thing. It's and you gotta. I mean, you gotta be willing as that person to take that accountability. And if if it doesn't work, you're gone. And there's a lot of people that follow you that are gone too. Being a small fish in a big pond. Then jumping like Sac State, it, it can't elevate it. You, you could get more donors. You could get all these different things. Do you think being moving from being a big fish in a small pond to the other side of it, c- could you see more people interested in Montana and Montana State sports if they were in the Mountain West, or, or do you think that that's already a captive audience? You know, that's that's a good question because of the number of people that are moving in. But so many people that are moving into this state have their allegiances elsewhere. Uh, they have it with either Cal, you know, or or Stanford, or UCLA, or Oregon, or Washington, and that's still where their money's going to go. You know, both Montana, Montana State. I mean, we've gone through the bush. We've gone through everywhere to try and find as much money as you can get. Now, I do know. I mean, uh, the former athletic director at Sac State, very good friend, and we talk often. And and t- Terry Wanas, he says, you know what? If they turn the corner, I know guys that told me if we can show some improvement, I can give you $25 million. Whoa. I can give you $50 million. I, I will start to invest in your programs. If you can prove to me that, that you really are serious about this, 
I don't know if we have many of those people. The Washingtons have been very supportive over the years. For sure. Uh, I mean, there's been a number of families that have been wonderful to both Montana and Montana State. For sure. But are there very many hidden ones out there? I don't know if there's that many hidden ones. We're a very rural state, and we're very unique. We don't share anything with, you know, we don't have professional teams. and For sure. We don't have all these things, but... Uh, it would be a challenge, you know, definitely a challenge. But the other challenge is how do you pay your bills if you don't have television money? <laughs> yeah, right. And that's where it's all going to fall to. How do you get a piece of the pie, no matter who you are, whether it's the Pac-12 schools that, that want to get out or stay in, or whether it's the Mountain West and they want to get into the Pac-12, whatever it might be, the dominoes are going to fall and everybody's chasing that TV money. You know, another one that might be a little, I mean, if, if, I, if I threw my crystal ball out there right now, I could see Washington and Oregon going to the Big Big Ten. The Big Ten, I agree. And maybe even Camp, uh, Stanford and Cal because of the political piece of it. And the academic part And of the it. academic. Yep. I could see the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado going to the, to the, the, Big, uh, 12. the Big 12. Yep. Now you got Washington State and Oregon State. For sure. Mountain West. Man, wouldn't that be crazy? Now, think of the money they'd lose. For sure. And, but that's the problem but, with Washington State. They've already been losing money. That's They're at this sort of crossroads. They're one of the only Power Fives that actually chased this, and they're the, the only one that's that's uh, in the red instead of the black. Yeah, so that could happen. You know, the Mountain West, I think their first thing that they will look at, if they could get that, that'd be number one. Number two are, are some schools in Texas that mm-hmm. they really have interest in. Uh, and then, I mean, I've seen a list of about 10 schools that, that they would have interest in that everyone would get, you know, they'd really look at seriously. But they would like to get into that Texas market. Again, it's television, eyes, things like that. But if they could get Oregon State and Washington State, they'd be in in a great situation. The problem is schools like us are probably not going to be able to play them much. That's right. To be continued, as the world turns in college football, Jim O'Day, longtime uh, athletic administrator, former athletic director at the University of Montana in studio with us. Thanks for being here, man. Have fun at the lake. Oh, well, I'll have a blast. You know, I see it's supposed to be 90 up there again. We, we were up there last week, and it, w- it was windy every day and cool <laughs> and, and everything. There's not a lot of water left up in that lake, I'll tell I you. Know, we're down crazy. two feet. That's crazy. Well, enjoy yourself, and thanks for being here, man. We will do a thing. Always fun. What's going on tomorrow? We'll get you all set up. It's the first time we had a full week in a while, so we have a full Friday slate for you. That's next. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues 
effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. What up? Welcome back. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. Man, what an interesting conversation. Thanks for all the texts and the feedback. Certainly um, hard to get to all of it in just one short 45-minute deal. But appreciate Jim O'Day, former athletic director from the University of Montana, for coming in and, and hanging out on his way to the lake. None of us know any of the answers, so we're just trying to give you all the details that are going to go into all of the potential answers that exist as the world turns uh, in college athletics. But if you missed anything in the show today, including that conversation with Jim, you can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. You can also check out our interview with Elisa Keller, the Montana uh, Gatorade Track and Field Athlete of the Year out of Billings West, our latest senior spotlight. We also talked to Missoula Paddleheads, had a little bulletin board about sports around Montana, and... Uh, had some fun, so check it out on the podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications as well as the M Store where they're all grizz all the time and the MSU Bookstore. Full week this week, so we'll have a full Friday show, but no Rajim. Rajim Seabrook usually kicks it with us on Friday. He's in D.C., so I can't wait to catch up with him or when he gets back. But we will have a full guest list for you tomorrow. We'll have some uh, sound and analysis at a Camp Marty, Marty Mornoweg's camp. Here in Missoula, uh, some of the best high school quarterbacks in the state will be here. So we'll uh, hear from a couple of them as well as Coach Marty and also probably Matt Castle, who's the guest coach there, former NFL quarterback. So that'll be fun. Joey Esch, a PGA pro here in Missoula, who's done great work getting golf into the schools. He'll also join us. Carol and the Chicken Doesn't Know Sports will be here. Dr. Michael Wright. Orthopedic surgeon at Missoula Bone and Joint. He'll be here for our Sports Medicine Journal. We'll also have an excerpt from the Big Sky Breakdown as well. Uh, go check out the latest Big Sky Breakdown. It's up now on all your various podcast hosting platforms. Our all Big Sky teams. I'm headed to Blues Traveler. We'll see you tomorrow. You want us now? ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home and uh, I saw some kids running around with I love shirt it. on and it was really surreal it was a cool moment cool experience for sure yeah, that's so cool you guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you but when people are looking up to you like they do I mean they think I mean you're the man right now <laughs> for the <laughs> University of Montana what's yeah. that like being a Montana kid um it's different for sure um you know growing up you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that but um you know it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids lives um you know, I just wanted to make sure uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.